0: All right, welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Uh, Super excited to have Calvin back on. And uh, this is episode 93. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, Obviously, you can listen to us on iPod, iPod, iTunes, uh, podcasts. So if you're listening there, please subscribe to us there. And if you leave a comment or review, that would be awesome. That really helps us out. Uh, You might have noticed, if you're watching already, this is a weird background, there's like football pictures, WWE pictures behind us. Not at
1: Apex anymore. Uh,
0: uh, Yeah, this podcast episode, (laughs) not at Apex. Yeah, so um, Calvin, where are we? Uh, What are we doing here?
1: We are at DeFranco's Gym in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Um, It's the gym I started working at about a year ago, and... um, Bronco came by and we decided to do a podcast together.
0: Yeah. So I, why don't you tell everybody, because you've been on the podcast episode before, and obviously I do want to talk uh, some strength and conditioning on this podcast episode, specifically for pole vaulters, um, and discuss some topics, but how did you end up coaching at Joe's? Because I think a lot of people that listen to the podcast, you know, they're pole vaulters, they love pole vaulting, they start loving being an athlete and training you know, how how did you end up getting to Joe's? How are you, how are you now a coach? Cause I kind of want, I, on my last podcast episode, um, episode 92, I, I started out talking about the current season, which the men's football is like blowing up, like Renault out of nowhere. I mean, I, I thought this guy was like basically ready for retirement. Now he has a world <laughs> lead at 602. Right. But oh, wow. I, yeah, but I ended the podcast episode and I, I was talking about a little bit about coaching and how to how to, you know, I guess, keep clients happy. Cause I have this blog article talking about, you know, do your athletes really love your coaching, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how did you get here to Joe's? Cause I think also it's not, it wasn't a smooth road for you. I think when you first started out coaching, it wasn't no. easy. Um, and you, you learned some things along the way. How, how did you end up being at a gym? And for those people that don't know, I mean, like, just look at these pictures behind us. These are people Joe DeFranco has trained, you know, and, It's an amazing, amazing place. He's a very well-respected training conditioning coach. How did you end up at this gym? Uh, In fact, this picture right there, that's Joe. And that's Triple H. And And Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie McMahon, yeah. For any wrestling fans out there. Yeah, right. So... Um, yeah. So maybe walk us through that because I want to build off of that last podcast episode where I talked about coaching. Cause I, I kind of talked about the idea of having systems in place and progressions where people can continually develop because that's how you keep people training year round and, and de- uh, get more clients, you know? Um, yeah.
1: well, um, for anyone who doesn't know, I trained with Bronco from freshman year of high school all the way through college. And, um, apex was, was a awesome place for me to grow up in. Um, I met so many people, um, that I'm still friends with and Bronco and I obviously remain, you know, good friends to this day and that environment, um, you know, people talk about that. There's three places you have, you have home. You have school or work and then you have that third place that you really love and apex was that place for me yeah um if i wasn't you know home or school like i'd pretty much live there for the yeah. eight years I, I trained and you. And, and you know it's funny like you know i never think about it
0: that way but yeah right it's like we all have like home wor- uh, you know work or school and then there's that other place that we need you know and I, I especially think now through COVID and stuff like that i can't tell you you know how many athletes or even parents of athletes would be like oh my god thank you so much because it is like an escape, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's that place where you you can kind of feel, you know, I hate to say it, but normal, you know, during this time period.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Apex was definitely that place for me training with you and training with, you know, other people my age, like it was such a good experience. And um, basically I, you know, I realized pretty quickly that I wasn't going to be a professional pole vaulter or professional athlete. Um, And I wanted to like recreate that place, you know what I mean? Like, I wanted to be a part of that for somebody else. So it was so you know monumental for me growing up that I wanted to have that place and and help other kids have that place as well. Um, That's what made me want to get into coaching. And then when I graduated college, um, I didn't study strength and conditioning. I didn't study kinesiology or anything like that. I studied sociology and criminology. I wanted to be a police officer. Mm -hmm. Um, And towards the end of my senior year of college, all my friends were getting internships at police departments and they were, um, doing ride-alongs and that it just, I wasn't getting excited about it at all. You know, I knew I had to do an internship. I knew I had to do something. Um, but I just, my heart wasn't in it. I didn't want to be a cop anymore. Um, I really wanted to train people and really wanted to be either, you know, in a pole vault gym or in a, gym of some kind yeah i I knew i wanted to train people can can i stop you for one second so it's funny because yesterday actually
0: i was talking to um to somebody that comes into the club brad and uh i was talking about like i started out as a teacher for people that don't know i started as an english teacher and i started coaching when i was an english teacher and then it, it grew into apex right and i said if i ever got the opportunity like at a at a college to be the, the, the person that gives the speech to the first year teaching students. I would love to do it in a huge auditorium, right? Like all 200, 300 teaching uh, students, incoming people. And I would literally start off the speech that like saying, listen, no judgment, now's a perfect time. Teaching is very, very difficult. You can walk through those doors right now and leave. <laughs> just leave. It's not easy. This is not going to be easy. And I think, you know, I'm saying this about teaching, but I think this goes to any profession at like, even being a cop, like you got to really want to do it. You, you have to love it. And I think people have to start to think about that. Like you're going to be doing this for the next 30, 40 years of your life. You know, is this really a passion? Are you, because even when you love it, there's days that are hard. Like you're like, shit, I got, I got to go in today. You know, like, it's not it's not easy, you know. Like we we were just, I mean, we always like you know, vent to each other. Me and Calvin will call and it's like, oh my god, this freaking moron walked into the gym and there was mud all over the <laughs> floors that had a mop for an hour, you know. It's like that's not the fun stuff. So you gotta be so passionate that you're able to to overcome those types of things. And for one, I'm glad that you figured that out your your senior year. So you kind of made that decision. Now, what what did you have to figure out in the beginning while you were coaching? Because I think you're getting really close to something that I want to talk about. But like, you you decide you want to make this switch to coaching, and, and you know I know you got your he got his strength and conditioning certification. Uh, what were some of the hiccups in the beginning?
1: Um, I'm not sure in specific what you're referring to. I I I, I just want to hear what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, I mean to start out, there's not a ton of opportunities in in coaching or strength and conditioning um, to make a, a living right off the bat. Like
0: if you it, just go to your, very hard. if you go to yeah. your
1: local, you know, retro fitness or something, you can be a trainer there, but it's not, it's not a career path. That, um, yeah.
0: The percentages are terrible. It's, 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 it's not a great,
1: t- and I think everyone, you know, needs to start somewhere. Um, and where I started was I started training two kids on the Ramapo track team. I don't know if you remember that.
0: Well, I think even you got to rewind earlier than that. You're skipping stuff. Remember you, you had a bunch of, bunch of kids come into the, I the did club. have them,
1: <laughs> I had the Rambo kids first though. Oh, are you really, sure? I, sw- I, I promise thought, you. All right. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead, go ahead. So Wait, the, the first summer, um, I graduated, I got my strength and conditioning certification, my CSCS. And then I started training three kids from Ramapo. Um, Two sprinters and like a mid-distance guy, and we trained the whole summer. Um, and then in the fall, I remember this okay. is what Bronco was talking about. I was desperate for clients because Bronco was kind enough to let me train people out of his facility, and you know we had a percentage deal going on. Um, and I was desperate to get clients in the door. I was I was like, I'll train anybody. I'll train them for free. So a f- like a friend of a friend was like, hey, there's a couple high school football players who, you know, they're looking for a place to train. Um, they can't afford to pay, but they'll, they'll come train with you. So I was like, awesome. I'll train them. Yeah. Send, yeah, yeah. send them my
0: and, way. And, and listen, I don't, I don't think that's even, like, terrible. I'm mean, like, you got to do what you got to do to kind of start training people and just learn. You know what I mean? Like, get your foot in the door because here's the thing. You're starting out. I, always lo- I love how, like, sometimes people who have zero experience like, wow, Bronco, you know, this high school called me and they they want me to be a public coach, but I'm going to have to be a volunteer. They're not going to pay me. I'm like, dude, you haven't coached anybody. No, first of all, I I really got to make sure that people understand this. As far as coaching is concerned, nobody cares how high you jump. Nobody cares. Like you jumped great, but it's like, why do you deserve money based off your PR? You've never coached anybody. It's very different to jump and very different to coach. Those are two different skills right yeah. i mean you being a pole vaulter and then also coaching i mean
1: very different experiences right extremely different skill different. sets extremely different. Yeah. yeah just because you know how to do something well yourself doesn't mean you know how to teach others how to do it well e- even
0: something as little as this like because i know when you have those people you know those kids coming in for free i mean a little bit too it's like perspective you know, it's like you might be as a coach or a trainer so deep the rabbit hole on training mm-hmm. and you're like, you want to talk about this nuanced stuff and try these programs and it's like, bro, this kid can't squat. <laughs> like, yeah. like you, you know. start
1: at the you know, very beginning. Start with the basics.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I remember too, I don't know if you remember, you remember the conversation at Starbucks? Yep. Yeah, we we had we had a long talk, and I I think because this is what I want to get at, and you were touching upon this about when he talked about his senior year, you know, and deciding he wanted didn't want to be a cop, he wanted to be a trainer. What I always tell people, it's crazy, right? Like when when you're a little kid, the world revolves around you, and everyone is of service to you, right? Your parents feed you, they pay you, they teach you everything. (laughs) Teachers are teaching you things. Coaches are you know, showing you how to play sports, you know, everyone's helping you when you go to college even, right? It's like, it's still about you. You're, you know, everybody's trying to give you the tools so that you could be uh, successful in life. Right. It's you, 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 you. And then it's like, and I think it's like almost so blunt of a transition and you don't it's realize about you anymore. it's not about you. You, you finish college. It's like, you have to be of service to others. You know what I'm saying? And I remember that that was a, a big part me and you talking that, that day, I was like, you know, you, it's not about you anymore. Even though you may want to do this program or that program, what do the athletes need? You just have to start thinking about the athlete first. And what does this athlete need? Right. Not what, what do I want to do? Right. And, and then even, I remember telling you this and I still, cause we're going to get into a little bit about training, but I remember telling you this, I said, you know what, let's imagine, right? No debate. Program X is the best program. It will make you a better athlete. Proven, scientifically proven. And you have the best equipment, best facilities, but there's no passion. No passion. You're like, you're looking at this kid training. You're like, good, good, all right. See you next time. I'm like, it's not going to work. I go, meanwhile, you can give someone one barbell, and they're only allowed to do deadlift, and they can only do five sets of ten.
1: That's it. Coach out with a lot of passion. Yeah. Dude. Better.
0: It's crazy. It's crazy. Because, <laughs> I mean, look, even in the pole vault world, and for people listening, right? It's like I've seen pole vault coaches who I'm like, almost literally every single thing from a technical standpoint is being done incorrectly. <laughs> like, I, I watch and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. We would never do this at Apex but that coach is fired up and that kid is fired up and they jump really well. That it's just, that's, that's an important part of the equation. You know, we always talk about Dave Tate, this powerlifting guy owns elite FTS. He's like passion trumps everything. Passion trumps everything. So that's, that's an important piece. Um, so how how did you get to Joe's? (laughs) I drove my car here. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like, you know, how, how did you get this opportunity to coach here? So
1: the first summer after college, I trained those kids from Rempo for free. Then I trained those kids, the high school football players, for free. I had a couple paying clients um, at this point. And then a coach in our area in New Jersey, um, who coaches from South Jersey, posted an opportunity for an oh, internship. Yeah. And... Um, it wasn't even a guaranteed job or anything, but um, I think an important lesson is when you know when you're starting out, you gotta say yes to everything. Like you yeah, said, yeah. if it's a client that's training for free, like yes. If it's you know whatever the opportunity yeah, is, yeah. you gotta say yes. I know we've had that conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. before too. Um, so I jumped on the the opportunity because he's a pretty well known coach, um, Zach Evanesh in South Jersey, for anyone who wants to know. But um, yeah. So, I did an internship with him for I think it was three or four months. And then I started working there on the weekends. Um, and for about a year, I was training a couple people at Apex. Mm-hmm. Um, I would meet, I had a couple people that I would meet at 6.30 in the morning. Then I would drive an hour, usually about an hour in rough rush hour traffic, yeah. to a chiropractor in New Jersey where I was making the most of my money. Like, that's where I was making my yeah, living, was yeah, yeah. working with the chiropractor. So, I'd work there till like 3 o'clock. Then I would drive back to Apex. I would do my own workout. And then I would either coach for you or I had a couple more clients at night that I would train. Um, so, I would do that throughout the week. And then on the weekends, I would work for this guy, Zach Evanesh, in South Jersey. I would in, work in his gym. gym. He had a gym. Yep, he yeah. had a gym. So, I'd train people. Yeah, I don't know. Calvin, this sounds Saturday hard, stuff, dude. Do I have <laughs> to do this? You, I mean, <laughs> you don't have to do anything, but. Um, <laughs> It was it was definitely like you know I, I hate to use the word but it was a grind like every day I was working seven days a week um, yeah yeah most days like Monday through Friday was like a, a 10 to 12 hour day you know depending on exactly my schedule but it was right it was a long like year of, of doing that um, and then I finally left that gym after working at it for about a year um, with no bad blood or anything like Zach's a great guy just there wasn't much opportunity anymore. You know what I mean? I was working the weekends and it wasn't going anywhere. Um, so I came back and that was this, that was like two years now after I graduated. Um, so it was springtime and you were really busy at yeah. the club. So I yeah. was ma- mainly helping you with meets and coaching kids that whole spring. Um, and then that's when... I got the internship at Joe's. Right. Started interning here. So that was a year ago now. Right. Interned here for four months. And then the guy that I was working right under ended up leaving Joe's and that opened up a uh opportunity for me to take over his position. Um and that's how that's how I ended up here.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: and now, you know, you work with all kinds of different
0: clients, different different sport athletes, adults, youth, you know, the gamut. And and I think that's um, just to kind of bring up a side point, but like, that's something that I think is really important for public coaches. Like if you only want to coach top, top athletes, you're not going to have a lot of clients and you, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to make a living off of it. Like that's impossible. You know what I mean? Like you have to be willing to train everyone. Like, even like, again, it's amazing. These pictures behind us, you know what I mean? The t- types of athletes that walk through the door at Joe's, but for every one of these people, it's like, you have that kid that's just, you know, trying to, you know, get a starting position on their soccer team this year, or you know, whatever. And um, you have to be willing to help everyone where they're at and what they want to do. Like what what I love, um, and you know, I always promote the pole vault as like a lifelong activity. Like I, I just think pole vault could be on par with something like CrossFit or, or other sports, or a jujitsu gym, you know, where people just do it their whole life. Like you said. It's like, you have your house, you have work. And then, oh man, I love to go pole vault. And that's what I do with my spare time, you know? Yeah. It's that third place, that home away from home. And, um, I got a DM from an adult client, uh, this week. Right. Um, she hit me up and she's like, are are you really serious? Do you train like people of all ability levels and ages? (laughs) (laughs) And I go, yeah, man, absolutely. Like, you know, come on in. And she's like, awesome and she's going to come in for her first session on sunday and i already have some adult clients and stuff like that she's coming in sunday at 3 30 which is when calvin gould comes in christina lang and so it's like, like a post right kind of yeah day. yeah. so it's like it'll be good like people of her age and stuff like that and so i think that's like really really cool um and so you 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 have to be willing to help people at, at, with the spectrum of, of possibilities um one i think it's the right thing to do you you should want to like again going back to it, it's like it's not about you right like i know as a coach like i listen i want to coach people to jump as high as they can i'd i'd love to coach someone at the olympics but it's not about me it's about being of service to others and helping others and so it's like that's just the right thing to do and then plus if you want to actually make a living out of it that's the way you make a living out of it you can't like i don't know like last time i checked right now i think there's only two guys that have jumped 6 meters this season so if you only want to coach those guys, you got two cl- possible clients. But I think they have coaches already. So it's like yeah, it's like that's that's not how it works, you know.
1: Um, so well, even piggybacking off yeah. of that, a lot of the clients we have here at the gym are not professional athletes. Um, Joe built his gym and the reputation on. I think people know this gym as as one that trains a lot of professional athletes. But right now we don't have a lot at all. Our the majority of our clientele are older adults who come in wanting to lose weight or we have a lot of high school kids who are, you know, looking to get a scholarship or they just want to get better at their sport. Um, so just like we do, like, I think it's important to train a, a spectrum. Of yeah. People. Yeah. Well, and, and so there's a couple
0: of things I have written down that I want to cover, but this, this is going to kind of slide in, especially when we're talking about the spectrum and possibilities and what would actually make pole vaulting popular. So um, I was talking to Sean Francis the other day uh, for anybody that doesn't know if you pull vault, I don't know how you don't know who Sean Francis is, but he, he has a big following. Sean has been posting. He started out just posting his workouts when he was a vaulter. He was an 18-4 guy, and um, he continues to do a lot of social media stuff. We've promoted his uh, book on here, The Pull Vault Toolbox. It's a great book. covers a gamut of different drills. Um, definitely, if you want to learn about the pull vault, you should go get his book. Uh, it's on teamhoo.com, I believe. Um, but Sean and me were talking on the phone the other day, and he was like, dude, you got to check out this documentary, right? And we're going to talk about the parallels between this documentary and what's going on with pole vault the track world. So he said, like, uh, the documentary is called Unchained. It's on Netflix if you have it. I highly recommend it. Um, so it's about freestyle motocross. So if you guys don't know what that is, that's the dudes on dirt bikes that are doing flips and all kinds of crazy tricks. Um, probably the biggest name is Travis Pastrana. And he's in the documentary, like they have a bunch of stuff with him. Um, They have Mike Metzger, Brian Deegan, a bunch of other guys. Um, But what I thought was amazing and think about this, especially when you think about pole bolting, right? So when motocross first started, it was literally like motocross would be in a dirt arena. Like think of like a rodeo type place. Mm -hmm. This is a big square and they set up like hills and stuff like that. But it's like kind of like a square track and they would just do races, and the manufacturers, right, Yamaha, Suzuki, they had this idea that this is how you build the sport, you do these races, you advertise the bikes, people will buy more Yamahas and Suzukis, right? And uh, we want clean cut people, no tattoos, don't say anything crazy in interviews, be very nice and professional. Meanwhile, in the spare time, these guys are like doing crazy ass tricks in their backyards like they're was. Just, you know, or wherever some trail that they found and they're they're pulling these tricks. And so they started making these like basically highlight VHS DVDs in the nineties and people would get these DVDs and they were like selling like hotcakes that like, think about these guys literally produced this video. It's a hundred thousand copies got sold. And this is not a huge, like, this is not like on ESPN or anything like that yet. It's like, it's not really out in the mainstream, right? And it sold a hundred thousand copies. People loved it. They loved watching the flips. They loved seeing the personalities of the guys that are doing it, right? They're wild guys, you know, tattoos going crazy, like whatever. And they had to literally beg to get this put on ESPN, right? And they put it on and it, it was a hit. The ratings went through the roof, so now they put it into X Games. And there's a, a crazy moment because even once, like, okay, motocross is part of X Games is getting popular. Travis Pastrana wins this, like, first X Games, right? And it's, like, literally the the, the setup is near the San Francisco Bay. It's, like, literally the, 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 the area that they're doing the tricks in, and then it's, like, the bay, the water, right? So Travis Pastrana wins, and he fucking pulls a jump into the bay he just oh jumps into god. the bay jumps out you know and the fans went crazy it was it was so like it was crazy right like people loved it espn the manufacturers everybody was pissed at him he got fined he did not get paid the ten thousand dollar prize wow. because he was polluting the san francisco
1: bay oh with his oh my bike. god yeah
0: yeah it's so crazy Also, I want to make a side note. I mean, more people know who Travis Pastrana is than probably any pole vault name, right? Like Travis Pastrana is super, super popular, and he ended up uh, creating that Nitro Circus that some people have heard of where they go into – they just do crazy stunts and stuff. But, like, here's the thing. Those early motocross guys were literally going to events where it was like that's the most they could win is ten grand they're flying or driving their freaking bikes all over the country just to do this like freestyle mo- motocross thing and then there's 10 grand online
1: that's wild
0: right and it's like i so now let's go back to track i want to bring us to track the reason i bring it up is cuz again just like coaching right people might have an idea of like what coaching is going to be like and we just gave them the reality a little a little bit like a taste a little taste right Same thing. I think the track world, right? And and I've talked about this on the podcast. Like, think about it. Diamond League was talking for last summer, which obviously didn't happen. They were talking about cutting um, the 200, the triple jump, I forget what throwing event, and steeplechase. Meanwhile, steeplechase is probably the most popular distance event there is. Everybody loves watching people, you know – fall face first in the the water, water, you know, (laughs) and and it's dramatic, right? Things can happen in the steeple. You could be leading the race and then clip the last barrier and, you know, get past, you know, there's drama that unfolds. I'm going to tell you right now, 10 K is not popular, but even more so, let's go back to pole vault. I don't think the track community understands how popular pole vault could be. It is literally, it's fun. It's exciting. I, you know what i mean like one we have to lower the the barrier of entry like that's why i think i run the club the club the way i do i try to make it as economical as possible so the most amount of people can try it but it's like if you had it produced properly like you know what i mean and it was just a pole vault event dude i think it would be a hit i think it'd be a hit what i think though is people got to stop being fancy if motocross guys were getting 10 grand for x games how much is the pole bolts are going to get? Right. What's, what's their value as start as far as star power.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you get, I mean, we've had these conversations, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I don't, I don't think people get that. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, so I, I think we, we need to, you know, kind of change the mindset and think a little bit smaller. Like I was even thinking the other day, I was like, you know, once obviously things calm down with COVID and stuff like that, I could see even like, you know what? Like you could have raised runways set up at like local bars who have a big parking lot and have a competition there. Yes. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and so it's like, I, I feel like there's stuff like that, that lower level, like you put on a competition like that, man, it can do well. And I, and I think instead of people thinking about, Oh, am I going to get that shoe contract? I think people should be like, how do I set up, you know, five, six, seven meets this summer where each meet I could possibly make a few hundred bucks in the local geographical area. I think people got to start thinking like that. You know what I mean? You know, I don't know. what do you think? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I hadn't, I've not seen, it's called Unchained. Unchained. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check it out, but yeah, definitely a lot of parallels. It sounds like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I I highly recommend it and thank you, Sean, for, for recommending it. I, I thought it was great. Um, I'll be honest at first, I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this, but I'm like, Sean asked me to, but it was great. It was great. I, I highly recommend. I even, I was talking about it yesterday to, uh, with some people that were jumping at the club and they're like, Oh, I, I gotta watch this tonight. You know what I mean? They're getting jazzed up about it. Um, so I kind of want to switch topics now a little bit. Um, I want to talk a little bit about GPP and SPP right? And I'm sure there's a lot of pole vault people that are like, what is that? So why don't you start there? What's GPP, SPP, and why do pole vaulters vaulters need to know what GPP and SPP are? So GPP
1: is general physical preparedness, um, and SPP is uh, specific physical preparedness. And basically, all general physical preparedness means is that it's not very specific to what you're trying to accomplish. So If pole vault is your sport, if that's your main event, then actually pole vaulting is the most specific thing you can do. Running sprints, um, doing even drills, like light drills, doing strength and conditioning, plyometrics, all that stuff is GPP for actually pole vaulting. So your pole vaulting would be very specific physical preparedness, but then doing something like, maybe a four left approach or a five left approach as opposed to your seven, eight or nine or whatever or, or, your big approach Or even is. I, I would
0: even say with drills, like you can talk about one left, two left, you know what I mean? Like really, really technical right. stuff. You're wor- You're working on skills. And so it's still specific to the event, but that's, that's GPP. But like, so before we even get to the drills, right? What I'm saying is, so now if, if I'm trying to build myself a program, like how am I going to train as a pole vaulter how do I use this now knowledge of GPP and SP? So you told me SPP, that's me pole vaulting. That's my specific uh, uh, preparation, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What should a pole vaulter be doing for their general pre- uh, preparation, right? Like you talked about sprinting, lifting, jump, jumping like yeah. what, what How do I incorporate that into my training? What should I be thinking about? Because um, again, I often, I still, I still see this. A lot of people think that, you just have to do gymnastics or some body weight stuff. And I mean, how far can that, if all I do is body weight stuff, how far can I expect to increase my, my physical output so that I could jump higher? Cause again, when I talk to all these like pole vault people, I think everybody agrees. There's no controversy in the following. The faster you run, the higher you will, you should jump. You know what I mean? it's 80, the runway is 80% of your product. So clearly that's going to make you better. Can I expect if all I'm doing is body weight weight type stuff and pole vaulting to
1: actually get stronger and faster? I think if you're a very beginner, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that you can do to get better. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I like to think of it almost like a pyramid. Like when you're a beginner, you start out at the very base and anything you do is going to get you better at pole vaulting. Pretty better. much. You think about pole vaulting, you're going to get better at it, right? Like, what about eating pizza? I like to do that. You think that's going to – Maybe eat a little bit less pizza and <laughs> you're going to get better at first, right? <laughs> so that pyramid fair, fair. at the very top, you have actually pole vaulting. At the base, you have all these things that are going to make you better at pole vaulting. And I think you have to think about your training like that pyramid. And at the very top is pole vault. Well, right under that are things that are going to make actually pole vaulting better. So right under – if you think about the very tip of the pyramid – that's doing like your big approach. Like that's yeah, you know, your seven, actual eight left, yeah. pole vaulting, going on big poles. That's mm-hmm. your big day. Right under that are things that are pretty specific, but they're, they're a little bit different than actually, you know, doing your big approach. So maybe it's like a shorter approach or you're doing different kind of variations or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then under that, you have things that are even a little bit less specific than that. So maybe Drills like doing, you know, walking with the pole or doing carries yeah, pole or, and drops, you know, pole runs. Yeah. Doing rollovers, something like that falls in that category. Then you have things that are going to make those even better. And then that, I would say that level is like your basic strength and conditioning stuff where you're sprinting, you're, um, you know, doing lifting, you're even calisthenics, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. if you think about that pyramid, everything kind of builds on each other and makes everything better. So you always want to be thinking in terms of, well, how is this going to help pole vaulting and how is it going to make that, you know, better? And I think where people go wrong is they look at pole vault, they look at the top of that pyramid and they say, okay, this is what pole vaulting looks like. You know what I mean? This is what you do with your arms and this is what you do with your legs. And then they go in the weight room and try to mimic that exactly.
0: Right. Like I've even seen people take like barbells. I can't believe this. And they're doing this. They're doing this. And it's like. My, always, my thing is like, okay, what, what muscle are you trying to get stronger? like What are, what are you specifically trying to train? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I don't think you have to do you know, a planting motion with a barbell. And,
1: and even if you tell me what muscles you want to train, there's better exercises to train that muscle. A hundred percent. So I think that's where thinking about this pyramid and the levels comes in handy because if you just always try to do things that are too specific to pole vault and you just try to mimic it exactly in the weight room – you won't be ever able to overload the movement, so you won't actually get that much stronger at it. Like, think about it. If you're just what do you doing, mean? I'm, I'm going to stop you. When you say overload the movement, what do you mean? I mean add either add more weight to the bar or do more repetitions with it or do it with better technique or somehow progressively overload it. So let's, just to use a specific example, so let's say I, I am that guy.
0: I'm, I have a barbell and I'm doing that. Why can't I overload it? I mean, clearly I can add plates. Like,
1: I don't understand. <laughs> You can, but at a certain point, there are just better options than, than doing it exactly like why would you say they're better? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I just, I want
0: to make (laughs) this very clear. Why, why would you say there's better options? Like, like, let's say I'm doing that Mm -hmm. and you're dissecting me. Like I, I just called you. I, uh, cause we're going to talk about this. Calvin does like online consultations and stuff like that and training, which we'll we'll talk about, but let's say I call you. I'm like, wait, I, but I really like my barbell push thing. Like, why why do i have to stop doing that like why why don't what's better specifically tell me what's better and
1: why well to be honest um i think that you so the example i like to use is like do you ever you ever watch nascar well race car driving sure race car yeah, driving, yeah, yeah. Sure. they always go in a the circle. same way in the circle right? right right well the parts of the race car that wear out the fastest if you're turning left, it's like the left side of the suspension, the left steering, all that stuff. Right. 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 Yeah. So when you pole vault, your shoulders are getting a lot of work from jumping, hitting the box like that. Right. Right. So if you just go do more of that, you're just causing yourself a lot more fatigue, which means you're just getting more tired in the same muscles. And, um, there's more of a chance for injury to be honest. Like Mm -hmm. pole vaulting isn't the easiest thing on your body. It's not, you know, it's not like golf. Like, you can so, overdo it for sure oh okay. so i think okay. that if you just go in the weight room and do the same exact stuff the same movement in the pole i'm vault, gonna wear out you're gonna wear out your joints and ligaments
0: much faster than if so do how do i options. strengthen that instead what would you say
1: if you're talking about this specific movement sure yeah
0: we're talking about takeoff hands going up i call you
1: that's what I'm, is important to me as a pole vaulter what what would you recommend instead then so one exercise that might be really good is a landmine press, where you're standing, you use one arm, and you can press overhead like this. And and just for people that don't know what a landmine
0: press is, uh, there's a barbell. Usually, some people have like a nice uh, setup, base, a base yeah. and then the barbell goes in the corner, and you can do it standing or kneeling. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Usually, I start people kneeling, and then we can progress to uh, to standing up. Um, but I like to do it one arm at a time because you're getting, you're training some stability in that joint. So you're not just doing the same exact movement that you would in pole vault. So you're Mm going to strengthen the muscles that you're going to use to pole vault without causing excessive wear and tear to the same joints. Okay. Yeah. I, I would
0: say also, I think with the landmine press, I think it's just a better movement. Like if you're someone that's, even if it's not a barbell, I don't care if it's lighter. If you're just like walking around doing this I don't know that you're focused on keeping, you know, your elbow in and all that kind of stuff. And then it's like it, because the barbell is just in, in air, I feel like that's,
1: you know, a lot of movement could be happening where you could injure a joint. You know what I mean? And the other thing is the landmine press. So the barbell is in the corner, you know, Mm -hmm. if it's in whatever a box or whatever the landmine attachment is, or if it's just in the corner of your gym, now that end is fixed, so you can right. really focus on driving, squeezing. Yeah. You know, your delt. You can focus on using your tricep to extend up like this. Now there's more potential to put weight on the bar and actually progress the exercise. Whereas right. if you're just holding a barbell in midair and pressing it, like there's only so there's only so he- you can only go so heavy with that right. before you either injure yourself um, or start to do the exercise wrong. So I think that there are better movements that you can choose to strengthen that area, and this area, we're talking about your delts, your tricep, trying to, um, strengthen those pressing muscles so you can pick better exercises than just trying to mimic exactly what you see in the pole vault.
0: Right. I I think that's, that's a really good example that you just went through about like, okay, one, the exercise doesn't have to look like pole vault, you know, and there's better ways to train those muscles to get stronger. So I think that that's a great example. The other thing I wanted to bring up again is like you talking about, you know, the, the pyramid. And one of the things that, you know, even like someone like Louis Simmons from Westside Barbell says, like, think about it, your pyramid can only be as high as your base is long, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's like, even, you know, and again, in pole vault, we're trying to go high, right? So it's like, (laughs) you've got to have a big base. And athletes are athletes. They have to be able to do athletic things. Like, I I think that sometimes, you know, again, I don't think that a pole vaulter needs to be able to run a marathon, Mm -hmm. you know? But if you're in good condition, I think there is a value of, like, okay, you can go on a 15-minute run, and it's super easy. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I know I always would use the Britt Dell case example. I mean, that girl <laughs> would go on a 15-minute run, and she would say, like, she's got to run faster than a seven-minute mile to kind of, like, get really sweaty. You know what I mean? You know she's physically prepared, and now she's going to be able to perform the drills
1: at a higher level, right? Like, she's going to be able to take more jumps. Well, I was just going to say – I would liken that to like, it's expanding your gas tank. Like imagine, you know, an athlete's a car, like you're making the gas tank a little bit bigger. They could go a little bit longer. You know what I mean? That's really where GPP kind of comes in handy. You can take more jumps or, you know, fit more volume in your your strength training, you know, that way.
0: Yeah, no, I, so it's like, there's all these different areas, right? It's like, okay, building strength, building explosiveness, conditioning, right? These are all part of that base and you have to think about how you're going to do that, you know, and, and look, I, I think this is where on the last podcast too, for everybody who's listening, who's a coach, you have to start to expand your knowledge on strength and conditioning. And I'm really sorry, but there's not a lot of pole people to go to, you know what I mean? I, I, I remember even one time, um, Trey Oates, who I've had on the podcast, his strength and conditioning coach from Samford, Thomas Rolling, great guy. We were we were communicating back and forth. Um, he wanted to make some alterations to his strength and conditioning program for pole vaulters, and um, he he asked me the question. He goes, Bronco, what do you think is the most recent article, scholarly article, on strength and conditioning as it pertains to pole vault? Do you remember the answer, Calvin? Was it
1: 1980
0: something? Yeah, it was in the 80s, guys. There's just not a lot of literature out there, and so it's like the thing is, I think as a coach, you have to start learning more. You know what I mean? And I, listen, I think it's just good for your life. You should train a little bit. I'm not saying everybody needs to be an Olympic athlete. I don't think you even need to pull that high, but it's like, you should train a little bit. You should be able to put yourself through some of these workouts, you know, so that that way you have firsthand knowledge of how this will impact your athletes. You know, I, th- I think that's, I think that's super valuable. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I, super important on that you understand this idea of gpp versus spp and just to go a little bit deeper and you touched upon it right when we look at specific we're really looking at your full approach in order to get that full approach better you have to do the gpp so we just talked about like lifting weights or sprinting and even going on runs or some kind of conditioning right so you have to do that so you're a better athlete so that your full approach gets better But also in the GPP, and people need to start thinking about this, the drills, one left, two left, three left, four left, right? Everything inside of your seven, eight, nine left, that is now GPP. And the variations, right? Doing a takeoff drill, doing a swing drill, doing a turn drill, doing overhead carry, low carry, full carry, right? Like These are all ways to vary the drills to one, work on technical weaknesses, but also keep... uh, to keep varying things. So things don't become stale because one of the things that I always talk about too is like, um, what is it like the, the law of accommodation or adaption? Right. So it's like, you you know, you provide stress, right? If you don't provide enough stress, you just stay the same or slowly get worse, right? You provide too much stress, you'll get injured and crash. And here's the thing. If all you're doing is seven left, seven left, seven left, seven, every practice, That's a lot of stress on the body. And I think, again, as far as pole vault people are concerned, especially if you don't know much about and conditioning, I don't think people realize when you do something full blast like that, like a seven left, how that affects the the CNS, the central nervous system, right? So that's going to provide too much stress in the central nervous system. You're going to burn out and you're going to crash. You might get injured or um, at best you start battling run throughs. It's so common in the pole vault community. People run through, run through, run through. And it's like, well, you're giving too much SPP. You got to go back down and provide GPP with the training that we talked about, but also with the drill work. Now it's like, fine. If you notice that your person's plant and carry are trash from seven left, bring it into a four, work on that plant and carry from something easier, provide more GPP. Then you can test it again. From the full approach. I mean, does
1: that that make sense to you? Yeah. And I think a good example of this is, um, have you ever heard of the Squat Every Day program? Um, I feel like you've definitely talked to
0: me about this. Um, I definitely also remember reading about people who've done experiments and squatted
1: every day for a long period of time. So there's a program where if you want to get better at squatting, you squat every single day. And I don't remember what the length of time is that they recommend. It might be like a month. That's mm-hmm. that's about it, right? Yeah. And the thing is, if you squat every day, and these people, you're you're not maxing out every day, right? But you're going very heavy. You're going pretty heavy every day. Yeah, yeah. So these people who've gone through it do get better at squatting. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. However, if you took Person A who squatted every day for a month which is 30 squat workouts, right? Yeah. And then you took person B and did 30 squat workouts and spread them out over a few months. Would you recommend, what if I do this in February? Because there's 28 days in February. Maybe, does that work better? <laughs> Go i you know, <laughs> I would almost guarantee that person B is going to feel better and probably hit better numbers than person Especially A. Especially long-term. Especially long-term. This is a very short-term solution, doing the squat every day. Right? And it, it does not work forever. You can't do it for more than a month. Like, you, you will end up getting injured, most likely. Like yeah, I don't know anybody yeah, yeah. who squats every single day and is a healthy human being. If they're actually squatting hard with intensity, um, yeah. it just doesn't work. So you're much better off squatting a couple times a week for a period of months or years. You're going to see way better progress over the long term than if you just try to do it in a month. You'll get a little bit better, but not as much better as if you spread it out over you know a couple months or yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 totally
0: agree. Cause I think that that's the thing. Sometimes we try to get better
1: by almost too much. You know what I mean? Well, and I think people, like, if you say, Hey, let's squat every single day. Most people would be like, Whoa, that's kind of crazy. Why would you do that? Right. But right. then something like pole vault, like, Hey, let's just pole vault every day. It's like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, and it's
0: like, Oh, seven left didn't work yesterday. We've got to do it again today. Try harder. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and, and yeah, it's, it's just definitely not, not a good plan. So, you know, I've just listened to this podcast, Calvin. I think I need some
1: help. Well, with programming, what can you do for me, Calvin? You are in luck. Um, we offer online training at the Franco's. Um, you can email me at Calvin at the Franco's training.com. Uh, if you're interested, I'll send you some info about it. Um, it's pretty cool. We have a extensive video library that we send you with a bunch of different exercises i update them every week too Um, so there's new exercises in there you're going to get a custom program specific to your goal so if you're a pole vaulter looking to get better i'll give you some 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 more examples like we mentioned the landmine press is a good exercise Mm -hmm. there will be you know exercises that are specific not too specific
0: not very
1: specific but depending on where you are in your season um, we'll have a chat and, um, yeah, we can set you up with a program. If that's something you're interested in. Awesome. I, th- I think that's great.
0: Um, and listen, I, I think for people out there that are listening, you know, if you're interested in making progress, you're interested in learning, I think that's, that's a great outlet. I think you should definitely hook up with Calvin. Obviously, like if you email us at vaulting at gmail.com, we'll help out any way we can. Um, uh, but I, I really think. You know this is what Calvin does every day. He's sending people programs all the time. He, he's doing strength and conditioning with uh, athletes of various types every single day. He can really, really help you out with that. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it's great. I think you should definitely hit up Calvin. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about today? I don't think so.
1: I think how good you look in that t shirt. Yeah, I did.
0: This, yeah, I'm wearing the DeFranco's <laughs> t-shirt, guys. I, I figure I, I wear it. We're here today. Um, Calvin gave it to me. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, look, thank you for doing the episode. I think, I think this was awesome, very, very helpful, a lot, a lot of good information. And, uh, again, I mentioned this on the last podcast episode. Uh, I'm going to be trying to do one episode a week now, and I'm going to start doing more solo episodes because sometimes it's hard to get a guest. You know what I mean? And so if you have any questions um and you like them answered on the podcast, just please email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. We'll try to get to as many questions as we can. Um I'm sure I'm not gonna get too overwhelmed though. Uh also if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's the real apex vaulting. We're also Apex Vaulting on Facebook and Twitter. Uh again, you can listen to this on iTunes subscribe there. You can listen to, uh, watch this on YouTube, um, subscribe there.
1: And again, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for having me.